All righty. So the first question is from Harinam Das from uh, the East Coast. Let's see. Get my notes here. And Harinam asks, the Vedas are extensive. Why do we not follow all aspects of the Vedas? How did it come to be that we chose to worship Krishna? I had a friend recently asked me all this. He wondered why, if the book is our philosophy, I mean, probably referring to the Veda, if the Veda is our philosophy, why not follow all of it? Krishna has so many avatars. How can you explain these? It is confusing. Trying to word things for someone to understand is sometimes hard. If not said right, it might not give the proper understanding. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Well, as you said in your question, the Vedas are extensive, so um, they are many branched. Hmm? And the, uh, the Bhagavad Purana, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is described as the ripened fruit of the many branched tree of uh, Vedic literature. Hmm? Um, so a lot of ground is covered there. There's a lot of things uh, to know in this world that can be useful and um, also uh, knowledge as a um, as a means to transcend the world and the nature of transcendence, for that matter, is variegated as well. Hmm? So um, given the variety of things to know, places to go, and so forth, and uh, the the uh, the Vedas are uh, extensive and they cover the path of karma, the path of jnana, the path of uh, bhakti. Hmm. And these are uh, really universal principles. Karma meaning that people tend to uh, work for the fruits of their activity to avoid suffering and pursue uh, happiness and primarily through acquisition of things and so that's not a sectarian kind of a provincial perspective the karma mark that's what most people do and to make it a path systematically well uh, the thought is that uh, um, one should pursue such things in consideration of 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 god so the karma mark uh, how to acquire hmm? Gyan Marg, how to give up the things and to realize that, that they're not all that they're made out to be and they don't endure. Hmm? And to know oneself, hmm? but thereby to be bigger than all the things uh, put together, qualitatively different than all the things uh, of, uh, of the material world. Uh, so to let go of them. And then to pass the path of bhakti to dedicate oneself to the, uh, to the, he who knows everything, he who owns everything, hmm? and be in a good position by being his friend. If you're the friend of one who knows everything and owns everything, then you don't have to worry about owning anything, about knowing anything. It's all at your disposal, disposal through your relationship with the owner and knower of everything. So these are the basic paths, and people of this world will be inclined towards one or another at different times and different lifetimes. Hmm? And so the Veda addresses all of them. Not everybody is ready to hear about Krishna Loka and unalloyed bhakti and the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. So, um, um, and as I say, um, transcendence is variegated as well. So we may pursue it through Gyan or bhakti 
and get a slightly different result. So again, in your question, you said the Vedas are extensive. Yeah, precisely. They are ex- extensive. Now, what, what, what we are doing is um, um, following the, uh, the Yuga, if you want to follow according to the Veda and Purana, the, uh, the Yuga avatar, who for the Kali Yuga um, gives the recommended path. So there are different yugas. So the Vedas address the different yugas and the different paths that are more uh, fruitful, efficacious in those uh, those yugas. So we're in the Kali Yuga. The efficate, most efficacious path is the chanting of the holy name. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu fits the description of the yuga avatar who will distribute the chanting of the holy name. And so, given that it's Kali Yuga, we're following the Yuga Avatar and, and, and thereby the Yuga Dharma. Um, then those um, associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with, 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 whom, with whom he uh, appeared, they have kind of stirred the pot, if you will, uh, and focused uh, the pot of revelation and focused our attention on that which is um, um, central to to Kali Yuga and and the prospect that has been offered to us given the descent, the avataric, if you will, appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, and uh, in, in doing that, we find that the focus has been placed on Srimad Bhagavatam of all the Vedic texts because um, it is thought to be that which the legendary Vyas wrote in his most mature stage of realization as the text itself explains and as other Puranas also attest to. So we kind of cut to the chase in Kali Yuga, time is short. Uh, and, um, and we go to the Bhagavatam, and there we find the ripe fruit of the tree of Vedic literature, and it's being offered to us through the um, approach and uh, personally uh, demonstrated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Namsan Kirtan. Hmm? And, um, and so, yeah, and, and given that, um, we have had... Um, uh, saintly association to uh, capture our our faith and show us how to tread the path. We focus on that particular path and the texts that are pertinent uh, to that. And we have no interest in the other texts. We're not just here to satisfy our curiosity. As I say, time is short. Uh, we, we, so we're focused on the particular texts that are relevant to through our time and circumstance and our, our tradition. And, um, and we suggest others do as well for, for good reason. I hope that helps. Thank you very much. Okay. The, so the next question is from Gayatri David. I should, I should, I should say one other thing. And that's, that means that, so, so we as Salikas should understand this point. It's a simple point that I've explained and many of you are, uh, have probably already understood that, but 
but to focus your attention on 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 the answer it's important to, to know that what i said and therefore not every book that somebody quotes some purana or some itihasa or some some hita over here as evidence for how we should conduct ourselves applies to us i see this tendency amongst devotees anything that was written a long time ago in sanskrit or sanskrit or bengali now suddenly it becomes authoritative um it's not authoritative necessarily for our particular path let me give you an example there's a statement from the krishna yamala that uh Rupa Goswami cites in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Shruti Smriti Paranadi Pancharatriki Virimbhina, Aikantiki Haraya Bhakti Utpatyayiva Kalpate. It says that uh, Shruti Smriti Paranadi, the Shruti means the Veda, the Upanishads, the Smriti, the Puranas, uh, Shruti Smriti Paranadi, Pancharatriki Virimbhina, the Pancharatrik literature, all the Tantric texts and so forth. Um, yeah. Shruti Smriti Puran ID, um, that bhakti that is contrary to these texts is a disturbance to the society. So someone may, I've seen this happen, devotee may quote the verse and say, therefore, see, we have to follow the Smriti, the Manu Smriti, which, uh, uh, tells us, uh, you, you, it's really the karma mark. It's all about Varnashram or this, this, uh, this Purana or that one, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but the verse itself, as cited by Rupa Goswami, pertains to those who reject the Vedic literature, the Buddhists, hmm, and in, in some instances, express what looks like bhakti. So there are Buddhist sects that worship, for example, I think Amitabha Buddha or something. Uh, they want to go to the Buddha Loka, and there everybody's uh, in the penultimate stage of attaining uh, nirvana. And from that place, it's easy to attain nirvana. And if you if you study that, their texts and so forth, they sound like they're right out of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Just chant the name of the Buddha. Doesn't matter if your eyes are closed or you're asleep. His name is sacred and worship him and so on and so forth. Uh, so it looks like here, here's Bhakti here. But according to the verse, because the Buddhists reject the, um, the revelation, the, the scripture, then that verse has been cited by Rupa Goswami to say, well, that kind of bhakti is actually disturbance hmm? uh, to to those who actually want to practice bhakti. Now, that's how it's used. Now, Jiva Goswami, to take it a step further, comments that this does not mean that those who are on the path of bhakti are um, obliged to follow everything in every smriti, every shruti, every every Purana, uh, and so forth. No, is for, for the devotees, it means relevant to the path that you're on, the bhakti path of Uttama Bhakti, given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Rupa Goswami, you should follow the scriptures that pertain to that. Hmm? There are other scriptures that pertain, as I said earlier, to other paths, like the Varnashram path, that, that we're not on that path. Hmm? Um, 
there may be some places where the where the two you know run in parallel and so forth but there's uh, but but um they're different paths hmm? so everything that pertains to varnashram doesn't pertain to those on the um the path of uh of of, of uttam bhakti hmm? um and to think that it, that our bhakti depends on following such injunctions is is to have your bhakti covered by karma, which Rupa Goswami says, that's not the path we're on. Gyan, karmadi, and avritam. Our bhakti should not be covered by gyan or karma or the thinking that by, 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 by accepting Varnashram, my position in bhakti will be enhanced or by foregoing Varnashram obligation, of which there are many, my bhakti will be um, negatively affected. To think like that and, and, and conduct oneself like that is to have one's bhakti covered by karma. Or to think that you can enhance your bhakti by gyan and vairagya hmm, as a means. This would be to have your bhakti covered by gyan. Rupa Goswami says gyan and vairagya, which are angas of the path of gyan, are not angas of the path of bhakti. Vasudeva bhagavati bhakti yoga prayodrita. Rather than being angas or part of the way, they are a result of bhakti. So vasudeva bhagavati, bhakti yoga prayojita, bhakti to vasudeva, jani ati ashu vairagyam, ashu vairagyam jnanam cha yadahoitukam. Very quickly on the path of bhakti, detachment and knowledge show up hmm? as a result. Whereas in the Gyanmark, they are the way. You have to practice by rag. You have to run off to the Himalayas hmm? and try to scale the highest uh, uh, frozen peaks and live in a cave. Hmm? But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come and like a volcano erupted, melted those snow peaks, right? Hmm. Flattened the mountains, turned climbing into dancing, turned meditative silence into song. Hmm. In the flatlands of Navadweep, hmm. the Gandhi says, come like the, 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 the Mahabharata was teaching from the cave of Vyas, right? Hidden away, where he wrote the Bhagavatam, has flowed down like the Ganga to the, to the, to the, to the Bay of Bengal, right? To the flatland there. <laughs> and it's been made available and easy for everyone seeing and chant and so forth. So anyone getting a little carried away, uh, wrote some of these things in my commentary that I mentioned earlier. So anyway, the point is we don't want our bhakti covered by karma nor by gyan, right? And so we are going to follow the bhakti shastras. We have our own shastras. We follow Bhagavatam, of course, Bhagavad Gita, of course, and, uh, and there may be some other sattvic uh, puranas that we include that are that are um, useful and helpful to us. And then we have our our own canon, if you will, scriptural canon, the books of the Goswamis. As Srinivasacharya said, Nana Shastra, Vicharanaikanipuno, Sadharma, Samstabuko, Lokanam, Hitakarano, Tribhuvane Manyo Sharanyakaro. Hmm? For the benefit of all the loka, all the people of the world. Hmm? Itakarano, out of compassion, these Goswamis, Rupa, Sanatan, Jiva Goswami, 
Raghunathas, Raghunath Bhattu Goswami, Gopal Bhattu Goswami. They turned these bhakti, the, the, the sacred text, and extracted from them the very essence about bhakti. Hmm? And and then they wrote the, what we sometimes refer to as the bhakti shastras, bhakti rasamrita sindhu, Vriyat bhagavatamrita, hmm? uh, and so on and so forth. So these are our books, our, our Hari Bhakti Vilas, which from our own Sangha, um, His Grace Brigupad is uh, now coming out soon with a publication, a definitive English edition of the, uh, part one, Hari Bhakti Vilas. So these are the, this is the Smriti text for us. Hmm? We don't need Manusmriti or so forth, so on. So, so not everything that it's written a long time ago in Sanskrit is, is Shastra for us or in Bengali. Hmm? It may be, it may be something, something's written in English or in Spanish right now or in Finnish or Swedish or Polish is, is more scripturally pertinent to us. Hmm? If it's written by a, by a, a insightful and realized devotee commenting on a text, the commentaries are more important than the texts themselves. So just to emphasize that point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, are you, just a quick question. Are you on that cellular data? Because the internet's slightly choppy at times. I'll get on. I hope if I get off, I'll have to get back on. Hopefully it won't. I think it should be fine. It'll just maybe freeze for a few seconds. I have a follow up on that, uh, Gurudev. Uh, that's uh, also doesn't Krishna say, Krishna too, Swayam Bhagavan, just give up all other forms of religion and just follow me. So that's, pretty much telling us that we should focus on him. Hello. I'm back. Did you hear the follow-up? Bijai had a follow-up question. Bijai, can you repeat it? Skurumach was offline. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, Krishna, he, another reason we do it, Krishna says, Krishna to Swayam Bhagavan, follow me, give up all forms of religion. I don't know the actual... You know, just, you know, stop all that nonsense. I'm, I'm, I'm the one and, you know, this is it, you know, so. There you go. Gita Upanishad, right? Very good. That's the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita. Give up Varnashram, give up Gyan. says Sarva Dharman Pritya Give up Garman Gyan is what he's saying. And take Bhakti, accept Bhakti to me alone. So there you go. The essence of the Vedas. Gita Upanishad, Bhagavad Gita. Thank you. So the next question is from Gayatri. Hi, Krishna. Can you hear me? So I am wondering, um, I've, I've gone through an experience recently where I have been in a lot of pain. And, you know, we, it's one thing hearing that we, you know, we burn karma and we're not given more that we can handle and we're trying to apply ourselves so that we can remember in times of suffering, we can remember Krishna. But the experience that I had, I guess it's somewhat embarrassing in a way, but all I could think was just like, why? And this is too much. I cannot handle this. Um, and just like, just please make the pain go away because this, I, I cannot focus on chanting. I cannot want to want you. I can barely pray to want to want you. So 
Like, how can we apply ourselves to, because afterwards now that I look back at it, I can, I can, I can think realistically, okay, okay, maybe, you know, I'm burning off some karma, whatever it is. But when, when we're in those situations that just seem so overwhelming, like how can we apply ourselves? What can we do to be able to remember Krishna in those situations, situations? And then I'm also wondering, you know, cause since like we're not this body, cause that's the, that's the whole thing we, <laughs> you know, it, when you're in that suffering, you feel that pain. It's like, I'm not this body. Yeah. But I'm experiencing a lot of pain still. And if, if we're not this body and we're not this mind, this is kind of like a second question, I guess, but can we say that we are to some extent the way we treat others? So that's, yeah, that's like not related, but on the, on the topic of body. Are we the way that we treat others? Yeah. Is it like, yeah, I don't know how else to phrase that. It just, it was just something that I was wondering if, you know, do if, under others as you would have them do on Tuesday. But uh, to answer your question broadly, um I think that um that pain or suffering, let's call it suffering, um is a result of material attachment. It exists in the mind. It's not it doesn't exist in the body, it only exists in the mind, because if you didn't have a mind uh connected to your body, then your body wouldn't feel any pain, right? So it's in the mind. Hmm? And the mind is, as Arjun has uh, told us in Bhagavad Gita, it's difficult to control. He compared it to trying to capture the wind. <laughs> Formidable task, right? Um, and so um, um, there are going to be times when there's a virtual hurricane or tornado hmm, of circumstances that make it difficult to, uh, you know, to to control the mind. Look at the circumstances that Arjun himself found himself in. He was in the middle of a huge war and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so uh, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a given that in the early stages of our practice, before we attain nishta, that our bhajan, our practice, our remembrance of Krishna, our ability to chant, is going to be um, unsteady. Hmm? It's unsteady because we have anarthas coming from our attachments, which cause these, you know, type of circumstances, emotional pain, suffering, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and we can understand it theoretically that it's a, a result of, uh, if I wasn't attached to this person who did this, to, who acted like this, when I thought she was like that, uh, and now it's affecting me so much. My daughter did this. How could she do that? Uh, you know, and I'm, um, if I wasn't attached, well, you know, I wouldn't feel it. You can, sh- you can express it to your friends and they go, Oh, yeah, they try to be empathetic, but then they just go home and, you know, <laughs> don't think about it again, you know, cause it's, it, they're not attached. So we can source it out. We, I think we can very logically understand that if I was not attached, I would not be feeling like this. Hmm? So the wisdom there of the Gita, where Krishna says that suffering is born from the womb of attachment. Hmm? This is the wisdom of the Buddha also, right? He thought that 
let's just focus on what's really happening here. We're all suffering. And what's the cause? Well, you know, pretty much the, well, it means it broke, it broke off. Could you repeat from what you said? What's the cause of suffering? What's the cause of suffering? Oh, it's attachment. Hmm. And I was saying in the Gita, did you hear that part? No. In the Gita, Krishna says that suffering is born from the womb of attachment. So this is a very practical, logical, uh, something that we can experience. Because if we weren't, we can see that somebody else is not attached to the fact, to my car, but my car got in a is now totaled and so it's a whole problem for me and because i'm attached to it and the implications of it what i wanted to get out of it i wanted to be able to go to work with it i wanted to drive my kids to the soccer game or you know whatever it is now it's gone you can tell your friend about it on you because of your attachment so there's any number of ways we can sort this out and come to that conclusion, as I say, this was the wisdom of the Buddha. He concluded that what's happening here is that people, we're all suffering. And the solution, and the cause of it is, is, uh, is our thirst. Trishna means thirst, the thirst for things. Hmm? The thirst for things. And if you get the things, well, then you have to worry that they're going to be gone, you know, or they will be gone, even if you don't worry about it. And, and, and then you'll be left suffering because of your attachment. So all this attachment is just suffering. It's just going on in your head. And the cause is attachment. So you can't really get away from this. Hmm? This is very sound, reasonable. It's not some esoteric idea that Krishna has a planet. It's over there and you're going to get there and it's going to be like this. And it's very down to earth. And, and so we can you hear me? Uh, it was breaking up again. Uh, you said uh, it's down to earth, if you could continue from there. Yeah, it's down to earth. It's practical. It's not some esoteric thing like Krishna Leela that you can't see. It's right in front of you. And we have to embrace these kind of ground, ground foundational grounding features of our tradition, which correspond cross-culturally with other great spiritual traditions like here i'm citing the buddha also right uh, this is a kind of basic 101 wisdom hmm, of genuine spiritual um pursuit and we have to be grounded in these things so that when we find ourselves in times like you're describing like i can't krishna i can't why Pramaji, there? Yeah, lost me again, huh? Hmm. Are you definitely on the cellular side? Yeah. Oh, oh no, it went off the cellular thing. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Should I try to get back on it? I think so, yeah. It's very bad now.
Hello. Can you hear me okay. now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was saying is that, you know, that we, we, we get into, we're, we're not, you hear me now? Uh, I think you better stop from the beginning. Okay, we, 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 we find ourselves in these type of overwhelming situations emotionally, our attachments get in the way and so forth. And then we, 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 why does this happen? Why it's so bad? I can't even chant. I can't even practice. And you start to think maybe this isn't, you know, working. Maybe this isn't real. But we have to gravitate towards these foundational kind of principles to understand what's happening. It makes sense. Hmm? I have attachments. Therefore, uh, and now that's showing up in the form of suffering because of my attachments. I can't even give them up. So I'm going to have to bear the suffering, hmm? at least for now. But I, but I can understand it. I get clarity and I don't have doubts in the path. Hmm? And if I think like that and I get grounded in that, then I can get strength in those circumstances to apply myself in the practices of chanting. Even though it's difficult, my mind is somewhere else. I, I bring myself into and back into my practice by kind of standing on the ground of these kind of principles, which I say like our 101 spiritual life. I'm not the body. Suffering comes from attachment. These things you can, um, you can, you can experience it. You can, the, 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 the reason that's why the Buddha was very pragmatic. Like, let's just get to the, you know, everybody's suffering. Okay. We all agree. Okay. Now let me explain to you. Here's why. Okay. We got it. We got it. That's it. You know, two things. It's all over, you know, now, you know, now to give it up, you know, okay. Well, how to do that? He had eight steps, you know, whatever. Um, so we have ours and whatnot, and our trajectory is a little different than the Buddha's. But um, but that's what um, I would recommend. You know, you have to you have to gravitate towards the lower end of the philosophy, the ground of it all, hmm? and think, well, hmm, do I? I'm having all this trouble. Do I suddenly think that must mean I'm this body actually, and there's no meaning to life, and there's no God, or there's some other God? No, those are not very good. Good, uh, that's not very good reasoning. So I hope that helps. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much, Kumar. Okay. Next question is from Kanaram. Yes. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Um, my, I think my question is kind of like a psychological question or like maybe something in the way that Devotees may feel like a little bit neurotic. And I'm not really like thinking about this like for myself right now, but I have in the past and I've, I've seen some people talking about it like on social media. Um, so like uh, my question is like, so what do we think for ourselves or what do we say to like those people who are philosophically inclined who like ask about the nature of our practice as like a, uh, something that requires constant self-improvement. And so I, I might ask myself, like, am I a constant self-improvement project or do I always need to feel like I'm improving or fixing myself in order to like feel valuable? Or do I have value right now as I am? Uh, is there anything like about me that's good enough as I am kind of thing? 
I think I understand um, what you're saying. So some people might fault the path by looking at it like that. Mm-hmm. You have a psychological neurosis in which you think you always have to improve yourself in order to be worthy, to be of value. But uh, the, the, the healthy psychological perspective is you are a unit of value. You are valuable as you are, even with your, even with your defects, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, you should give up Krishna consciousness because it's just some psychological neurosis in which you're constantly trying to improve yourself. It's, well, you know, um, first of all, you have to um, differentiate between a psychological worldview and a spiritual worldview. There are places where the two come together hmm, and, and are important, and there are places where they depart as well. Hmm? So uh, you, you cannot apply everything from a psychological worldview to do away with a spiritual worldview or to apply it to someone on a spiritual platform. We're trying to improve ourselves spiritually. Hmm? We're trying to, you know, become enlightened, to attain love of God. Hmm? Now, when we say that we're trying to attain love of God, what we're also saying is we're trying to attain all that we can be. Hmm? We're trying to uncover ourselves. We're a part and parcel of God. We're trying to recover our relationship. It's been covered over. So we're not trying to, to improve ourselves. We're trying to find ourselves. Right? We're trying to uncover our, ourselves. Rather than it's, it's, it's not something to be improved. It, it, it's a unit of Satchitananda. Right? So we're, we're trying to uncover it. And in the and 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 our so our sense of the self is different than the sense of self in a psychological worldview, and we can be fully active in trying to uncover ourselves, become self-realized, to become God-realized. Um, um, we can be fully active in that, and and not be um, violating, if you will, this uh, psychological principle of constantly trying neurotically to improve yourself materially. Hmm? That is the, you know, that is a, a, a valuable to a point, hmm? but it can become a neurosis. And we have to, we do have to accept our shortcomings psychologically, uh, physically, uh, and, and so forth. And it's built into our teaching that, that it's almost an oxymoron to say, you know, material improvement. <laughs> because as much as you could become fully materially improved, there's no, you know, there's no real improvement. Uh, it, it all washes out right at death uh, so there's a there's a i think you know we we're we're more in a middle road here and that we 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 do include um the um effort in a balanced Ramaj, way Ramaj, it cut off for quite a while you were saying that it's built into our scriptures or something like that well it's built it's built into our um 
perspective that there's room for at improving ourselves materially on a psychological level. Hmm? So, so we will embrace that idea. We agree with the idea. There is a kind of neurosis that people get into in trying to constantly improve themselves and thinking they have to improve themselves in so many ways in order to be worthwhile. We disagree with that. We, we, we agree that's a neurosis. We, we don't teach that we should be doing that. Hmm? And we don't equate our effort to, to, to uncover ourselves, so to speak, and to love God with that type of, of, of neurosis. Hmm? Um, we, we do see that there is room for improving ourselves materially, say psychologically or physically, exercising, um, um, and, and with some balance, you know, we will, um, um, be engaged in such with ultimately a view to employ that which we gain from it in our own, uh, spiritual, uh, spiritual practice. So, um, so, you know, we agree with the principle. We would, we can hardly be, um, guilty of it if we are conducting ourselves properly in terms of sadhana, because again, there's, there's, there's two different worldviews of what the self is to begin with. Hmm? And, um, and, um, and, and we don't, uh, and, and, and with regard to, um, also, I would say with regard to our, um, status within bhakti, we emphasize that we should understand our adhikar, the level of our eligibility, and apply ourselves accordingly. That means that that that's the the idea there is to bring um, to bring balance and not feel that because I'm on this level instead of this higher level, there's something wrong with me and it's a problem. Hmm? Now, if you apply yourself on the level that you're at, hmm, then you'll naturally go to another level. Rather than trying to go to another level, apply yourself appropriately to the practices that you can um, incorporate um, given your your adhikar. Even in Varnashram, you know, you have your Brahmins, your Vaishyas, your Kshatriyas, and your Sudras. And if each of them applies themselves according to the Dharma of those castes, that's septic. Hmm? It, the Gita tells us, oh, the Sudra should not try to do the work of a Brahmin, thinking that, you know, there's some fault in his endeavor. Hmm? There's fault in every endeavor in the material world, in all the statuses. <laughs> So I'm, you know, talking about it in a broad way, but I think that it's important to go back to the, the beginning of what I said. There's, there, you cannot apply the, the, the teachings of a psychological worldview in, entirely to someone who has a spiritual worldview hmm? and say that because you want to become enlightened, uh, you, you know, therefore you've got a psychological, uh, uh, neurosis. No. Does that help? Yeah, it's good. It's good to see that the, there are like two ideologies that, that that are sort of being conflated there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and you know, um, 
you know, you say, you know, you should be kind to yourself. You should love yourself, you know. Well, we say the same thing, but we just have a different idea what, what, what the self is, right? And we, we're not here to beat ourselves up, you know, in a healthy way, we may have some regret. There's a place for that, some lamentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that lamentation of great spiritual teachers that we find in their psalms is something. This is this is this is a whole different. This is not a neurosis, right? This is this is an ideal. So, but it would be hard to communicate these things to to people have living in a psychological worldview. Hmm. Therefore, you have to turn the psychological view worldview on its head. What's the problem with the psychological worldview? Everything seen through a psychological lens entirely. Hmm. What does that end up with? Add. What does that make of you? Yeah. I thought I, I heard you more or less. Yeah. Okay. So, what else? Hey, there's a follow-up question from Krishna Kanaya Didi uh, to your previous one, uh, previous answer. She says, because you mentioned that you know the Buddhists have their path of the eighth fold path, and we have ours. She says. Aren't we as Vaishnavs aspirants in a way not also following the eightfold uh, path? Right view, right resolve, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right, right mindfulness, and right samadhi. Um, yeah, sure. Um, you could um, say that. that um, but obviously there's more to our path than that and our right samadhi is a little buddhas <laughs> but yeah and 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 you know that that if you look at chaitanya mahaprabhu's path then um you can make a good argument for the fact or the idea that that which is our aspects of other paths are it's rather inclusive are included in it and the re, and and as a result the results of those paths are included in it so the re, uh, results of varnashram is included and more you know the results of gyan is included in and in, in more in bhakti and so forth buddha is an incarnation of vishnu so there you go buddha is included in vishnu vishnu is included in krishna so all good uh, could there be another way of looking at it also that there's a Vaishnav version of these eightfold, eightfold things like right speech is Harikata and right effort is, you know, Harinam or whatever like that. Right. Okay. So the next question is from uh, Krishna Sevaka. Haribo. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Please accept my obeisances. Um, you can hear me now then? No. No, okay. You have to unmute unmute the audio. I did that. Let's see. Uh, I can hear you, but for some reason, Marge can't. Shall I type it in then? Um, you can uh, tell it to me and I'll, I can ask it. Okay. I've been reading his Circle of Friends book and um regarding balaram and uh in the apricot lila he performs all kinds of 
variegated expressions of different rasas, leaving Vraj, marrying um, in Aishvarya, marrying the Naga gopis, coming back to Vraj. And so my question is, how is he different in the apricot lila than the prakat lila, where all these things seem to be going on in the service of Krishna, asking him to do all these things, and and how that relates to us in the in our relationship and understanding and expanding our relationship. Uh, does that make any sense? Um, it's going to be a little hard for me to formulate that question. Let, if you go, you see at the, that the bottom bar there, it says, uh, English or interpretation. Do you see that kind of like a gray thing at the bottom? Uh, no. Hmm. I can, I'll type it in. Okay. Okay. So, let's and then you can go to the next one. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. The next question is from Brighton from Amrit Gopal. I'm ready. Hi, Krishna. Can't hear you. Oh, oh no. no. That was no, that was my fault. I didn't get that no. in English. Yeah. Hi, Sorry. Krishna Maharaj. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. See you. Hi, Krishna. I'm so, so excited to hear your commentary on Navadi Bashtakam. Is it Rupa Goswami's Navadi Bashtakam? Well, some people say it is, yeah. Hare Krishna. So on that on that topic, uh, in the second verse, there is some question oh. as to who or what Navadip is. And I would love to hear from you more about the Abhinna, about the non-difference between Vrindavan and Navadip Dham. Well, uh, yeah, uh, Rupa Goswami says that some people call it Vaikuntha, the Parabhyam, the spiritual world. Some people call it Goloka, but indeed, those who know the Tattva say it is Vrindavan. That's more or less what he says in the second verse. Um, and so, um, um, if you, um, well, uh, um, Jiva Goswami makes the, uh, or explains, I believe in the Krishna Sandarva, um, or maybe his commentary in Brahma Samhita or, or both, um, that, um, the, uh, yantra for Goloka hmm, is, uh, configured, uh, like a, a square, right? Hmm, in which there is the, the hexagon, hexagon and the lotus and, um, and so forth. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. And so is that says that square is called Sveta Dweep. Hmm? Everything inside that square is called Sveta Dweep. But inside the square is the circle is that is, that is called Gokul. Another name for the Sveta Dweep, the square, is Goloka. Hmm? So there's Goloka, and then there is Gokul. Hmm? So Gokul is separated from Goloka within that square by the circle. That is the circumference around Gokul. Hmm? And then he says that 
Inside the square is Sreta Dweep, but inside the circle that is Gokul is Para Sreta Dweep. Hmm? So another idea of Sreta Dweep. So the outside, outside the circle is Gokul, and that is, there's some measure of majesty there. You can find, for example, Radha Krishna Leela Swakiya, married. Hmm? Inside the circle, it's it's Parakiya and the Braj Leela, as we know it from our Goswamis and so forth, right? And Vrindavanda um, Stakur in his uh, Chaitanya Bhagwat says, uh, he says, what does he say? He says, uh, I'll look it up for you here. I probably got it right here. Let's see. What does he say? He says, uh, he says, yeah, Sweta Dweep Nam Nobo Dweep Gram Vede Prakashi Vopache. Sweta Dweep Nam Nobo Dweep Gram and Vede Prakashi Vopache. So, and this is exactly what has been done. He says, that place called Sweta Dweep. That place known as Swetadweep hmm, is Navadweep Gram, the village of Navadweep. And in, in uh, Prakashiba, it will be revealed in the future that this, um, uh, um, and so, uh, it's questionable, uh, 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 who wrote what first, the, uh, the what the Chaitanya Bhagavad, I suppose you could say, or or um, the Navaripastakam, um, um, but he's saying in the future this will be um, uh, revealed. Mm-hmm. Now uh, he is equating Navadweep, arguably here with the Para Sreta Dweep mm-hmm, of Jiva Goswami's explanation, and. Uh, as far as the future revelation of this, we need look no further, if you will, than the um, uh, design that Prabhupada came up with for the cover of his first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam that he came to the West with. Um, he made a cover and he had an artist depict it in which there were many Vaikuntha planets and in the center there was the lotus of Goloka and there was the there was Goloka in the center was the Gokul and there was Radha and Krishna right and if you um, if you make sure you lose you here and if you look over the shoulder of Radha and Krishna in his artistic depiction, you can see Mahaprabhu performing Sankirtan <laughs> with his associates. And this has been spread all over the world. I had nothing to do with that, distributing that book, for example, all over the world. So we were living the prophecy of of Vrindavan um, Thakur. This will be revealed to the world that Navadweep Ram, the village of Navadweep, this local village where I'm from, he's saying, Right here, along the bank of the Ganges, this is actually Sreda Dweep, uh, and it's and and of course when we will argue extended the Parasweta Dweep, 
in accordance with the with the Astakam of Rupa Goswami that identifies Navadweep with Vrindavan. Now, so of course the other the, the argument can obviously be, be be extended by way of um understanding uh who Krishna is, um, right? Um I mean, I, excuse me, who Mahaprabhu is. So Mahaprabhu is not an avatar of Krishna. He's Krishna himself. And how do we know that? Well, there are any number of reasons. One would be, well, Krishna has four qualities that no other manifestation of God it has. He has Venu Madhurya, Rupa Madhurya, Lila Madhurya, and uh, Prima Madhurya. So sweet flute, sweet Lila's, sweet love, like Rasa Lila, uh, Sweet Prem, it's not like the Prem of Goloka, or, or excuse me, of, of Baikunta, which is awe-filled uh, and, and reverential. It's very sweet and charming and intimate and so forth. So Vraha is not interested in Prem Madhurya. Nishingadeva is not interested in, you know, Lila Madhurya personally, right? This, this has nothing to do with them. This is only to do with Krishna. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was all concerned about these things. This is his total preoccupation. What he says about the flute of Krishna and hearing it, thinking about it, what it does for him, um, and and in the pursuit of the prema madhurya and his preoccupation with the rupa madhurya uh, of, of of Krishna. So he's complete, he's an avatar. That'd be hard to to, to to deny, and he's completely absorbed in these um, four qualities that pertain only to Krishna. So, and of course, as Rupa Goswami says, Krishna Prema Pradayati, no, no, Mahabodanaya. His, his, his character is that he's Mahabodanaya. Krishna Prema Pradayati is, is, uh, Leela that he, he gives out Krishna Prem. Well, no other avatar is going to give Krishna Prem, right? So if he's giving Krishna Prem, well, he must be Krishna. If he's a manifestation of, of, of Krishna himself, an avatar of Krishna, so this way we equate him with the avatari, but curiously, he's in a very different, uh, um, position. Noma Mahabharanaya, Krishna Prema Pradayate, right? His care, his quality is that he gives, uh, his guna, that he's magnanimous. Hmm? And, uh, Krishna Prema Pradayate, his leela is that he, that he, that he gives out Krishna Prem, hmm? uh, Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya. His name is Krishna Chaitanya. Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gora Tisaidama. Right. And his form is 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 Twisa Krishna. Right. It's it's golden. It's a, so he, he, this is a nice verse. It describes his Lila's Guna's quality, his guna, Lila, Rupa Rupa, Guna. Lila, um, Rupa, uh, uh, so on. So a very nice verse, but, uh, uh, this is Rupa Goswami reasoning like this. And he said, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu must be, must be Krishna himself. Is he giving the Gyan Kanda? Karma Kanda? No. Gyan Kanda? No. Upasana Kanda? No. Kewal Ananda Kanda. Hmm? Ananda Kanda. <laughs> it's only the path of bliss from beginning to end. So, so there's so many ways. If we look, you know, at the deeply at the Bhagavatam, then we find the apex, the zenith of the Bhagavatam is there in the 
second to the last of the five chapters of the Bhagavatam covering the the um, Rasalila there. Krishna says, He says to the gopis that I am not able. I, in fact, I just did a rendering of that. I'll, 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 I'll read it to you. It took me quite some time to come up with the way I, I wanted, but I'm quite pleased with it. Uh, this is Krishna speaking. This is this is the genesis then of Gore uh, Leela and the Gore Avatar in um, Shrimad Bhagavatam. I've written this in relation to the Palsuti or the last, the ninth verse after the Astakam telling us what the fruit of it is. So, Naparayam Nirabhajasam Jam. Svasadu Krityam Vibhudhayusapi Bha. Ya Mab Hajan Durjana Gehasrinkala. So Krishna says, I'm not able to return your seva in kind, even if I were to try until the gods die. Your connection in union with me is immaculate. Loving me, you have severed the world knot of hearth and home so difficult to untie. Thus, may your saintliness be your recompense. And in parentheses, oh, if only I could become so sadhuna. So the verse ends with the word sadhuna, which means saintliness. And Krishna is telling the gopis that your own devotion, your own saintliness is beyond anything I have to reciprocate in kind uh, for. Um, you've given yourself to me so comprehensively. If I was to try until the gods die, you know, I wouldn't be, be successful. But the word sadhana, Sanatana Goswami comments in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, where he cites this verse several times, but the last time he cites it, he says the word sadhana means saintliness, but it can also mean saint. So Krishna is saying that, it's, or, or another alternative way of looking at it is Krishna is saying, but maybe a, maybe a saint could, could, you know, repay you. <laughs> he's basically, basically saying that, you know, Krishna suggested the gopis that uh, the saintliness that they have is their own reward. There's nothing higher than this. However, um, in the verse, the word Sadhmuk also refers to a saint. So he could be implying that Krishna could, if Krishna could himself become a sadhu, a saint, perhaps he could repay these milk maidens through his saintliness. And of course, this is exactly what he does, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he adopts the guise of a sadhu and sings in Sankirtan of the Gopi's virtues. You know, thus we find that, that hidden in the verses is, is his, his intention to openly praise the Gopi's praying and that of Radha in, in particular. Mm-hmm. And given his nature to do so with the hidden hope that uh, he might taste that praying himself. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, the point is, uh, that there, 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 we could go on and on. There are many arguments to be made for um, uh, support the case that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. Now, okay, but he sure doesn't look like Krishna. <laughs> Krishna's dark, he's fair. Krishna's the supreme enjoyer, he's a sacrificer, right? He's taking sannyas and so forth. So that, therefore, it's a hidden, it's hidden. You have to under, undergo, you know, beneath the surface and with the help of the Goswamis, this is what they did. They look, they understood this Chaitanya is very extraordinary. 
we have to locate him somewhere on the scriptural map. And that's what they did. They located him as in terms of the avatar for the Kali Yuga. And then they also located him in terms of his ecstasy. And they said, this is, this is Mahabhav. And they showed it. They located him there on the map of the scripture. He's Krishna in a particular way. Everything's turned around here, turned upside down. It's like I said before, like a reverse jacket. You know, you, if it's gold on the inside and dark on the outside, but it has gold cuffs, you know, and a gold collar. You turn it around, it's got a dark collar and dark cuffs and a gold body. This is, this is, uh, Gaur Lila. If you look at Gaur Lila, you find yourself in Krishna Lila. You look deeply at Krishna Lila, you find yourself in Gaur Lila. Which one is first? Hmm. Krishna Kabiraj Goswami says, the fountain of Gorlila is is sprouting, is, is springing and flowing in all directions of Krishna Lila. <laughs> so he, 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 first the giver, Sridhar Maharaj used to say, then the gift. So <laughs> if we're tasting the gift, we think, oh, who gave me this? So while we're tasting the gift of Krishna Lila, then our mind goes to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who gave it, who gave it to us, right? So. So given the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, Gaur Lila is not something separate from Krishna Lila. It's the natural extension of Krishna Lila. Krishna's Prakat Lila, his manifest Lila, has its limitations in terms of what he, he manifested in the world to do, to taste rasa in his human-like setting, in human society, on location, so to speak. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so extra added, you know, feature. But there, when he when he experienced the 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 uh, the love of the gopis and Rod in particular and the Rasalila, after he separated from them and saw their their ecstasy increase in the absence of him. Hmm. When you're attached to something and you lose it, then how much you love it or care for it really comes out, right? So seeing that, and he, that this was this was the point where he realized, oh, there's something wrong here. I'm Rasaraj, the king of Rasa, but there's something I don't know about Rasa that she's experiencing. Am I really the king of Rasa? I mean, this is a problem. So how to solve the problem? Krishna is very crafty, very, very expert. So he, he solves it by becoming gore, right? Manifesting as in a golden form, pursuing Radha's Bhava. So the gore Lila is Krishna Lila. They're not separate. Therefore, Navadweep must be Vrindavan. It can't be go, it can't be the outer circle of Golok. It can't be Baikunta. It is those things and, and, and more. It, it is parasvetu dweep. That's what Rupa Goswami is saying in the second verse of his Nabhavipastakam, Rupa Goswami, Prabhupada, Kijai. Okay. Super explanation, Maharaj. Thank you. Okay. If, you don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to send uh, Bhaya Mohini and Mother Mohan one song by Brindavan Dash Thakur. Um, I don't know how well known it is, but anyway, the first line is Nachire Nachire Nitai Gora Dijamaniai. And I, I know that you'll love this song and I'll send it 
by uh, my friends, if that's all right. Very good. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, Gurman. Anything else? There are, well, there's uh, one more question from Maru Mangal Radhakanta, if you want to take it now, or should we leave it for next week? Well, he's been a little sick, I saw, so I'll try to answer it today. Okay, so he's asking, what are some methods to keep us humble and to guard us against feelings of elitism directed towards non-devotees and other religious and even sangas? Well, the short answer is, you have to look more carefully at yourself <laughs> and be honest. Satama is another name. It means honest, truthful for devotees. You have to look at yourself. And then you have to look at the goal. Hmm? You have to understand what is Krishna Prem. This is Krita Punja Punja. It blew the mind of Sukadeva Goswami. Hmm? So what is your position in comparison to Sukadeva Goswami? And his mind was just blown by seeing the Krishna's friends and how they interacted with him in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, he said, I, I, what, how they, what did they do to arrive at this position? It's just unfathomable. I mean, this is our goal. It's, 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 how do we get here? By grace. Hmm? How will we get there? By grace, right? Hmm? By grace. What we have to practice. Yes. What do we practice? Practice getting grace. <laughs> practice making effort to get grace. That's the that's our our path. Where's the room for pride? There's no room for pride whatsoever if you understand it properly. You just have to understand your own path and your own goal, and then you have to look at your own self honestly and say, "Where where am I at?" You may find somebody on another path that is far more detached than you, hmm? uh, and you'll think, oh, "They're better than me, but I'm more fortunate than them. I'm lucky because." My trajectory is, is greater. If only I would apply myself as they've applied their self. Hmm? As far as those who have lesser paths and aren't very well, you know, developed among them, well, you know, what's the point? Why be preoccupied with other people's paths? If you're some kind of big preacher, then you may have to need to know about other people's paths and, and, and preach. Focus on your own path, <laughs> your own good from day to day, what you need to do to make progress in your own party bar, from your own guru. Hmm? Focus, you, you got to be one-minded. Hmm? And then, then there's going to be no room for pride because then you'll grow spiritually. When you grow spiritually, you grow you grow in humility. The two go together. Spiritual growth and humility, they they, they go together. They come, they, they, they one complements the other. Hmm? The more you grow spiritually, the more humble you become. The more humble you become, the more you grow spiritually. Hmm? Mahaprabhu mandated that we should be more humble in a blade of grass. So, you know, where's the room for being pride? As soon as you see pride coming, you know, you got a problem. <laughs> you know, you got a problem. Hmm? So, uh, if, if you, if you, how do you deal with the problem? Hmm? I guess, I guess you know you got the problem that <laughs> you're asking how to, how to deal with it. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, you have to uh, uh, reason, as I say, about the, the uh, absurdity of such pride, so that you not know, be taken away by it, carried away by it, and it will, and let it get the best of you. Hmm? I'll say this to you: you may be proud. It's possible to be. It's good to be a proud member of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. I'm proud that I'm 
have been, my guru has identified me as an authentic member of the Sampradaya. Hmm? That, that's a, that's a healthy pride. Hmm? But, but if you have, um, you know, a healthy and humble, you know, member of the Sampradaya, uh, proud to be a humble member of the Sampradaya. But if, um, but I can say this, that if you have the kind of pride, if you give into and entertain the pride and the way you're speaking about it, then to that extent, you're not on the path. That's, that's not part of the path. Pratishta, um, has been compared to the stool of pigs who eat stool. What must their stool be like? Hmm? Not desirable. So there's, there's no room for that on the path. No room. So, all right, nice to talk with all of you and I hope to be with you again next, next week. Go to Premanande. Shiragum Raj, Gita.